What a blessing. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter. The Gospel of Luke is full of several interesting features as we have studied in the last several, several weeks. The certain ones as we have been focusing on the certain lawyer, the certain Pharisee, the certain rich man, and on and on and on, we have found that God had a special message in store for those certain ones. But there are other features that's found throughout the Word of God in the Gospel of Luke. Harry Ironside calls this the table talks of Jesus. It's amazing of the number of times that Jesus sat around the table and he talked to individuals, and out of that, those talks came tremendous life lessons and tremendous truths of the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking at something that is very interesting. Jesus is going to a Pharisee's home. A Pharisee, a man that uh, was known throughout that particular day as a part of a religious sect of the Jewish nation. They were known as those that uh, knew the law and they kept the law to its fullest degree. And he invited Jesus to come to his house. And it was amazing of the conversation that took place there at that particular house. We're going to look at that. Because as they were getting ready to partake of a meal, he happened to notice Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. Now this was not pertaining to hygiene's he was concerned about, but he was more concerned about ceremonial washings. And it highly upset this Pharisee. And we're going to look at that for a few moments. So with your Bibles open, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 37. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's precious holy word? The Bible says, And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean. But your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have? Then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue in all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without 
leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus for a special anointing upon this hour. May the feeling of your Holy Spirit be upon us. May we not only deliver the word, but we will be able to receive the word. And we pray, dear Father, that your Holy Spirit may teach us truths and encourage us to understand what Jesus was speaking about as he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. May you be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word. For you tell us that if you're lifted up, all men shall be drawn unto thee. That is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. You might think it was a rather silly thing for this Pharisee to get upset that Jesus went to have a meal with him, and yet he did not wash his hands beforehand. I remember uh, my wife would always tell our boys that uh, before we get ready to eat, that they would go and wash their hands. And this was a stickler in our household, that they would go and wash their hands. Well, Heath, like many times, he would go and turn on the water, but he never put his hands underneath the water. He would try to tell us that he'd washed his hands, but he had not really. But uh, this was not a personal hygiene that this Pharisee was concerned about, but he was more concerned about a ceremonial law that was being broken. What I'd like for us to do, what we have done from time to time as we have gone and we've sat down with the Lord Jesus Christ and we have listened to him and we have watched him teach some tremendous lessons around the kitchen table. Today, I'd like for us to eavesdrop and I'd like for us to just begin to look and listen to what the Lord has to say concerning about this particular thing that this Pharisee got upset with. Three things I want you to notice as we're sitting and looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and listening. And that is, first of all, this displeased Pharisee. A Pharisee. Now, you know, from time to time, we've been able to sit at the table and listen to the Lord speak. We remember that when he came to Mary and Martha's house, that the Bible says that he went to their house and that that was a place of refuge. It was a place that he rested. It was a place where he felt comfortable in being there. And so we had sat and we listened to him as he spoke with Mary and Martha. But now today it's a little bit different situation. You can almost feel the intensity of the hour that Jesus was experiencing with this Pharisee. You notice as you began to notice 
this passage of Scripture, that he said to them, this particular Pharisee three different times, Woe unto you, Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees. He was saying that there's something about you that I am not pleased with at all. As I've already mentioned, a Pharisee was a religious school or religious sect among the Jewish race. They were known as throughout the land as, quote, the spiritual ones. They were ones that were very close, or at least they tried to demonstrate that they were very close to God. And you would be blessed if you was a Pharisee like me. And many times they did things outwardly that inwardly they were not. And we're going to look at that today. You'll notice that there was what was known as an open house. This Pharisee had opened his house to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he invited him. The Bible says in verse 37, And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and he sat down to eat. It's a marvelous thing when you not only invite Jesus into your heart, but you invite him into your home. I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest needs of America today is for Jesus to be back in our homes as he once were today. It seems as if that Jesus is not in our homes He is not being demonstrated as being Lord and Christ and Redeemer in our homes today. As the instructor, as the teacher, as the enforcer of the Scriptures. And all how important it is to have Christ to be in our homes. Have you invited Christ into your home? Oh, I tell you what. I believe one of the greatest, greatest things that any young couple could ever do is to dedicate their home and to say, Lord, we want you to be welcome here. We want you to be welcome in such a fashion that you are Lord and ruler of this home. And so this is what Jesus desires. This is why you see him coming into your home or coming into the home of the Pharisee. Here today, because he wants to be welcome and he wants to come and visit you. Oh, I think that many times he has a place in our homes, but he's not preeminent in our homes. And that's what we're needing here today. So I noticed that in this passage of scripture that it was an open house. He invited Christ to come and to sit with him at a dinner table. But you can't be there very long until you began to notice that there was an offended host. This Pharisee became very offended. The Bible says in verse 38, when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. In my estimation, this Pharisee sat down at the table And he observed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you remember in the scriptures, the Pharisees were always individuals that were trying to trick the Lord Jesus Christ. Always trying to catch him 
for doing something that was not right in their eyes. And this was one example here today. By a very strict, orthodox way, this particular Pharisee was observing Jesus, I think, with his nose in the air and with his chest puffed out, thinking, ha, I've caught you. You have broken a ceremonial law. See, back in those days, every Jew were commanded to wash their hands in a very ceremonial way, not only before the uh, dinner, but also during the dinner. There would be a glass of water or a pitcher of water there on the table. And what they would do before they would begin to eat, the host would pour water upon the hands of the individuals. He would, very, he would do it in a very precise way. He would do it in a way that it was a certain amount of water that was used. And he would start at the fingertips of the hands. And he would gently lower that water over the hands of that particular guest. And it would trickle down the, the palms of his hands. And then he would take his fist and he would rub his fist inside his hands. And then after that, they would take the water again and pour it over the hands of the guest. And once again, instead of starting at the fingertips, they would do it and they would pour it at the wrist of the individual. And that water would trickle down and there into the basin. Now, this was a very ceremonial, ceremonial act of cleansing. And so, Jesus, he just sat down, and I think he started eating. And when he sat down and started eating, this uh, Pharisee got offended. And he says, I can't believe what you have done. I can't believe that you did not exercise the ceremonial law, washing your hands. Now, I believe that Jesus was very concerned with personal hygiene. And I believe that if there was a need to wash his hands, he would have washed his hands. But he took advantage of this opportunity and to begin to pull back the curtain upon the heart of the Pharisee. Because, see, this was more than just an outward gesture. This was something pertaining to the heart. And so that is the second thing that I want you to notice as you begin to look at this passage of Scripture. Not only do I want you to notice this displeased Pharisee, but you'll notice this disclosed Pharisee. Jesus revealed something about the heart of this man. He disclosed who he was and what he was probably more than this guy ever realized. You notice what the Bible says in verse 39. He spoke about eternal rituals were large in his life. He says in verse 39, Then the Lord said unto him, Now you Pharisees, make the outside of the cup 
and the dish clean. You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was literally saying, you make such a big deal about observing a ceremonial thing and the regulations of traditions that you're not even concerned about what's on the inside of the heart. You're not even only concerned just the outside, but what's on the inside. Verse 41 goes a step further when Jesus spoke about the strict observance of the ceremonial. He says, but rather give alms of such things as you have. Then indeed all things are clean to you. He was referring to practicing tithing, giving. And of course, back in that particular time, the scribes and the Pharisees were very particular about their tithes. In fact, as you go back and you will study, that they gave the first fruits of their labor. And the Bible talks about that they not only gave the first fruits of their labor, but they would give at least 50% of all of their income to support those priests that were in the temple. They were very careful about making sure they were doing these particular things. But Jesus spoke about the internal. Jesus said in verse 39, he said, there's an internal reality we're lacking in their lives. He said, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Clean on the outside, but you're wicked on the inside. Your hands may be washed, but your heart is dirty. In other words, they have been whitewashed, but they have never been washed white. In other words, they were more concerned what others thought of them about being religious and spiritual than they were concerned about their own heart. Jesus was getting down to particulars here. He is saying that you are not concerned about your heart. Jesus is saying that the salvation starts from within and works itself outward. It does not start outside and work itself in. As I think about today, how there are so many people today that are, quote, religious, they go to church, They give their tithes. They even possibly teach a Sunday school class. And they tell others how spiritual they are. And yet their heart has never been changed. They have never been saved. And this is what Jesus was talking about. They are... They think that church membership is more important than anything else. They're thinking that their names are written on the Lamb's, I mean, on the Rolls book of the church instead of the Lamb's book of life. And so, friend, Jesus was really hitting right to the heart of the matter. See, the heart of the problem was the problem of the heart. That was the real problem here today see one must be redeemed one must be cleansed on the out i mean on the inside so that the outside may represent what is on the inside instead of vice versa i can't help not to think about john wesley 
John Wesley was a dynamic preacher back in the 1700s. He was born into a family that his daddy was a preacher. His mother was a godly lady with great godly influence. They had taught him the scriptures. They taught him what was right, what was wrong. They taught him how to live, and they taught him how to profess the scriptures in his own life. And the Bible says he went up and down England preaching the gospel. He was educated in Oxford. He even came to America and preached. But the problem with John Wesley during this time, that he had religion, but he didn't have salvation. The Bible, I mean, his biography said, on May 24th at Aldersgate Street in London, in 1738, John Wesley traded his works for faith. I want you to read this. It says, in the evening, I went very unwilling to a society at Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistles to the Romans. And about a quarter before nine, while he described the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. No longer religious and lost, but now he was a saved redeemer. I think about what Brother Gerald was talking about, mercy. And as we were singing about mercy just a few moments ago, so many people today, they have religion, but they don't understand what mercy is because they never experienced it in their life through salvation. Mercy, my friend, when you have come to a full understanding that Christ has saved you and that he has redeemed you is because of his mercy. It's because of his grace. And friend, when that happens, you'll never get over that. And you're more concerned about your heart than you are about your outward presence. Oh, I understand that when Christ changes your heart, your outside changes as well. But oh, I I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel that Jesus kind of gets sick with these Pharisees. He just kind of gets upset with them because all they're concerned about of how super-duper spiritual they pretend to be. And yet, in their heart, they are wicked and they're full. You know, throughout the Scriptures, they were always trying to trick the Lord Jesus Christ. They were always trying to... Uh, get him in a scandal or try to uh, put him in a place or a position where they thought that they could catch him at something. 
Well, that makes us go one step further. I don't only want you to see this displeased Pharisee as we've looked here today. And this disclosed Pharisee of why, how the Lord disclosed his heart. But I want you to see this discredited Pharisee. This Pharisee was considered, as I said, a religious leader. He viewed the examples of true faith in God by outward instead of inward. And notice three things as what the Lord does here as he discredits this Pharisee. First of all, they, he noticed that they ignored the important. The Bible says in verse 42, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue in all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. Very strict on the minor things, and they ignored the major things. Matthew described them straining gnats, swallowing camels. They were very careful to tithe their herbs and their income, and yet they lacked justice and they lacked love. Have you ever known people that way? I've known certain religious people that they're so super spiritual. All they want to talk about is what they've done, how they've read the scriptures, how much prayer that they pray, and how much time that they do this and do that for the Lord. My friend, I've come to a full understanding. If you're a man of prayer, you don't have to tell anybody. If you're a man that walks with God, you don't have to tell anybody. It will be so obvious that it will be known by your actions and not by your words. So they ignored the important, but they intimidated the inferior. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. What in the world was the Lord Jesus talking about? Jesus was declaring what they did, they did it for a show. And as you would go into the synagogue, there would be a row of seats in a semicircle. And there they would be right up front. And it was the ambition of the Pharisees to sit on those seats because that was the best seat in the house. And everybody was able to see you. And if you sat in that semicircle, you must be a really spiritual person. And this is what Jesus was saying. That they advantage of sitting in those in that semicircle to be seen of men instead of being seen of God. And what they were doing, trying to inferior everybody else. Have you ever been around somebody of how they tried to make you feel inferior, that you're not as spiritual as I am? You don't do what I do. You don't act the way that I act. And they kind of put you down in an own certain way by their spiritual super-duper attitude. I don't have much patience for people like that. I'll be honest with you. 
And the reason I don't have much patience for people like that is because Jesus didn't have much patience for people like that. He said three times in this one passage, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And then last of all, you'll notice of how they influence the ignorant. The Bible says in verse 44, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. What Jesus was referring to was back in Numbers chapter 19, verse 16. And back in those passage of Scripture was talking about that if you touched a dead person, that you were unclean. And so when they buried someone, they did something that was quite unusual. They put them in white sepulchers so that you would not touch them. You would not walk near them because you become unclean. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees before, he said, you're like white sepulchers. You're nothing but a bunch of dead bones on the inside and on the outside you've tried to wash white, a whitewash on your grave. When I think about today and I think about churches today, I wonder how many churches every Sunday go through a religious act. They pray at a certain time. They sing at a certain time. They read scripture at a certain time. They preach at a certain time. And all it become is like an act. Instead of a real, real moving, spirit-led service. I don't know about you... But I want our church to be alive. I want our church to be real. When people look at you and they look at me, I want them to say, there goes a person that is real. They not only pretend, or they not only portray what Christ is on the outside, but most importantly, Christ is on the inside. Oh, are you real? Are you real? Are you real to the point that your children can say, my mom and my dad, I want you to understand, whatever you might say about them, they're real. They're just as real at home as they are at church. It's amazing to me of how people today, they'll act one way at, at home and they'll act another way at church. Have you ever noticed how the devil sometimes works on us, sometimes getting ready on Sunday morning? Or on the way to church on Sunday morning. You can have a knockdown, drag out fight with your wife or your husband. And then when you get to church, you pick up your Bible and all of a sudden say, Well, God bless you, sir. <laughs> it seems like everybody is just fine and you've forgotten what you were at home. My friend, I want you to understand, God wants us to be real. Jesus is real. And he wants you to be what you, on the inside, just as much as you are on the outside, and vice versa. 
One of the reasons, one of the reasons that a lot of lost people today will not give their heart and their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ is because of hypocrites. Pertaining or portraying to be something that they really are not. Oh, dear God, help us to be real. Help me, dear Lord, to be real. Help me to be transparent before my children and my grandchildren. Help me to be the same while I'm at home as I am at church. See, when I'm at church, I can sort of plan my, my, my direction. I can almost plan what I'm going to say. I almost can plan the way I'm going to act. I can almost plan the way I begin to distribute myself among others. But when I'm at home or on the job or at school, it's a different story. I find myself reacting. And if my reactor is not the way it's supposed to be, the old self really, really comes out. Don't you want to be real? Well, you can through the Lord Jesus Christ. When He is real, it will be obvious that He's real in your life. Bow with me in prayer.